Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor Joaquin G. Molina invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. For the privilege to be in your house, even uh, at, at, at the distance within the reach of your kingdom, Lord. That your kingdom could become a reality in our life is such an honor and such a privilege, Lord. Let us not lose sight, Lord. Let us not uh, be blinded by the concerns of this world, Father God. You said the cares of this life choke out the life of God. So, Father, we want to be more consumed with the passion of your life than the cares of this world. Father, you take care of us, Lord. We cast our cares upon you. And you, Father God, as we acknowledge you, you direct our paths. So allow this morning to be a time in your presence, a time of refreshing, Lord. Allow us to hear from you and to understand what you're doing upon the world, O oh God. And how... Our life has significance in, 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 in the journey, Father God, and the design you've put together, Lord. There's purpose, Lord. We pray that you would give us insight into your word. That the value that you have destined to transfer into our life to promote us, to exalt us. You said, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God that we could be exalted in due time, Lord. Remove all pride and self-sufficiency, independency from our life, Lord. Allow us continually to depend and trust upon you with all our heart, Lord, and lean not on our understanding. Father, we give you thanks for this congregation that's going to change the world. Amen. We give you thanks, Lord, for the people that love truth, Lord, the people that obey your word, the people that walk in the light of your word, Father, as your word is a lamp unto our feet this morning, O oh God. Reveal to us your purposes and your plans, Lord. Let it be a seed that would be planted like Dale Bronner said, an incorruptible seed. Nothing's going to corrupt it, Lord. Nothing's going to mess with it. And every seed will give forth fruit, Lord. And this fruit will remain, Lord, because it's been sown by you, Lord. And we give you thanks. And all the glory be to you, Lord. All the honor, all the power, all the majesty that the nations might know about you through our lives, Lord. As they witness and see what you're going to do through us and in us, Lord. That they might glorify our Father who's in heaven, Lord. And then they might seek him with all their hearts, Lord. And we give you thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. When I first got saved, I was sharing in Ecuador that it was like a, a pulling back and a revealing of purpose. When you don't know what's going on, you're in darkness. You don't have a clue. You can't see. You, you don't understand. But as you come to God, God starts unfolding his purpose. And you're like, wow, look at this. Look what God wants. Look what God says. Look what God's plans are. In fact, when I heard the plans of God, they were too marvelous for me. And I, I, I just compared it to a fairy tale. I said, this is too good to be true. But I had nothing else to go for, and I had no other good news to live for, so I went in that direction. And I gave myself entirely to God. I said, God, I give myself to you. If you can do something with my life, I want it. I don't believe it exists, but if you can, I want it. And so God began to show me. And as he began to reveal different things... It's like the light going on and darkness is pulled back. And that's what it means to come out of darkness into his marvelous light. That's what it means to be lost and now you're found. When God starts revealing and unpeeling and showing you purpose. And it is obviously 30 years ago when we first came to the Lord, 20 some odd years ago. Um, it, there, wasn't, there wasn't any understanding of the fullness of God. There wasn't any understanding of all the plans that God has for us. At that point, it was just a matter of sin. I was like, Lord, I have something that's called sin. There's rebellion. There's disobedience in my life. And, and how do I get this out of my life? 
because I live for this and this is my reality and I feel like I'm in the mud and I can't get out and I can't think of anything that could pull me out of a condition of sin when you enjoy it. And so I started reading verse like Psalm 119 that says, how will a man clean his way? And I wanted to clean my way. I wanted to get out of the dirt. I wanted to get out of the, out of the mud. So when I, ran, when I read this verse, it really struck me really powerful. And I said, Lord, how can I clean my life? How can I walk in your ways? How can, how can I get to the point where I don't have to be in the mud the whole time? And it says in Psalm 119 verse 9, How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed to your word. Hide, it says in verse 11, Your word I have hidden in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Those were the dilemmas at the beginning. It was just a battle with, with my carnal nature, with the desires that weren't God's desires, with, with feelings that weren't God's feelings, with thoughts that weren't God's thoughts, with words that were not the words of God, with steps that did not please the Lord. So that was my battle at the beginning. But I thank God that, that He makes a way where there is no way. I thank God that he, he is truthful in His journey. He says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. And we've come a long way in this journey. It's been many years, many battles fought, many failures, many, many times losing my way, many times thinking to throw in the towel. But we've come full circle pretty much. And now we're seeing brighter future, brighter days. Sin is a thing of the past. I don't desire sin. I hate sin. I don't want sin anywhere in my life. I, I want to constantly only think the thoughts of God and not my thoughts. I want to feel what God feels and not feel what I feel. And, and I've noticed that there's prosperity in that. Because the thoughts of God are good thoughts. He has thoughts of a future. He has a thought of prospering and blessing. And so um, we, we read the Bible many times and we're seeing these realities. But then we run into verses like James 1.27. And I had read that verse for 27 years without a clue to what it meant. Without any idea to what God was trying to tell me. Where he says, pure and undefiled religion before God. To serve God with excellence. To live for God at his best degree. And that gets me excited because now I understand that verse after 27 years. To serve God at the best of your capacity is to place your focus on orphans and widows. To keep yourself free from the concerns of this world. And when I read this, and I know when, if you're a new Christian and you read this for the first time, you say, okay, let's find an orphanage. Okay, let's go to an old folks home. There's a lot of old widows there. And that's how I used to read it. I was like, man, that, what, what a horrible life having to run into these places where there is no vitality, there is no strength, there is no future. For an orphan, things are grim. An orphan doesn't have anybody watching out for him. An orphan means, the word orphan means wanderer, no direction, no one to adhere to, no father. That's what it means to be an orphan. It's, it's, it's a grim world to be an orphan. If you've ever talked to an orphan, we have many here at the church. We have, we have those that 
are born into this world and they have no understanding. They have no direction. And so God says that this is the true essence of a life with God. And I want to tell you that it's not a matter if we read these things in a carnal way, and I read it in a carnal way for many years, God is not talking about orphanages. God is not talking about old folks' home. God is not talking about visiting an old lady. God is talking about this concept of family. Because where there is an orphan, where there is a widow, that means there's no man providing the, the fulfillment of paternity or fatherhood. There's no one being dad. There's no one being a husband where there's a widow. There's no one acting on the interest of a wife. There's the absence of a husband. And God says if you really want to slam dunk spirituality, if you really want to be known to walk with God, if you really want to be known as a man of God, your priority needs to be in this concept of family. And there's nothing more twisted upon the face of the earth as that that thing called family. Uh, in fact, I was just talking to Pastor Samuel Justo from Spain. He says, Joaquin, trust me what I'm telling you. Family does not exist in Europe. People could care less about dad. They could care less about their husband. They could care less about their wives. They could care less about their children. That's, that's the essence of those that walk anti-God, anti-Christianity, anti the kingdom of God. And this is what the great work that Satan has done upon the earth is to destroy families. And we don't consider it even a spiritual worship to concern ourselves with the importance of family. I'm surprised. I'm telling you, even though we, we become very spiritual, even though we work real hard in the house of the Lord, even though we learn doctrine and theology and discipleship, and, and we're for years we could be participating at church, there is no capacity to enter in to a familiar or family relationship. And people just get up and leave like if, like if it's nothing. And they do so in the church. But don't deceive yourself. It's not that they do so in the church. They do so in their own families. Husbands pick up from one day to another with a wife they've been married to for, for 10, 15 years and says, I'm leaving. Sons and daughters raise up in a home from the time they're little babies. They're two, they're three, they're four, they're 10. They're taken to, to school. They're given their lunch. They're given their, their school lunch money. They're, they're, they're given their extracurricular activity money. They participate in sports. They live a lifetime in family. And something weird happens as they meet that strange person and they're able to get up and to leave with a total stranger with no deference, no importance for family. And so we have this first verse in James where God says, if you want to really know what I'm all about, I'm all about family. I'm all about the loss of of children, the loss of marriages, the loss of those people unable to commit. It happens both between a father's heart towards his son, and we'll see this in a second. We'll see a father living with no regards for the blessing of the life of his son. 
And then you have a son who has little to no disregard for the counsel of his father. And yet we call ourselves Christians. Well, you're no more a Christian than you are a liar and a son of the devil when you raise up against the heart of God with regards to family. This is purely satanic. It's purely diabolical. All the schemes of the devil are founded towards those who have no ability towards family. Their interest is in something else. In fact, you'll see all throughout Scripture that all this Bible is, is a story of families. Those that honored God and those that didn't honor God. Those that lived according to God's design and those who could care less what God says. And God has said a lot of things about family from day one. He created a family in Adam and Eve. He created them in these children they had, Cain and Abel. But Cain lifted up his wrath against his brother and killed his brother. The Bible says you don't know God if you don't love your brother. In this we know that we love God and we've passed from darkness to light because we love our brother. And loving your brother means that you would never do anything that would even come close to harming them. And he who does not love his brother cannot say I love God he's a liar he's a liar and God's gonna pull it on us on the last day when we try to say like Cain did am I my brother's keeper what's the answer yes we are yes we are we need to understand the depth of God's design for our lives the Bible says in 1 Timothy 5.8, if anyone does not provide, if anyone does not serve, if anybody does not integrate, if anyone is not a part of his family, especially those in his own household, he has denied the faith. He's a liar. Denied the faith. He's walked contrary to the faith. He said... I'm not a Christian. I'm not a son of God. I don't belong to the family of God. And so as I understand this more and more, the Bible says he's even worse than an unbeliever. Because an unbeliever will tell you outright he's not part of the family. Not interested. But one who says he's a believer and comes against his own family has denied the faith. And so this is in many respects. And, and we're going we're gonna to try and, and take this from, a, from the, the most immature level, which is just, just people that, that act like this because they're immature. They don't know better. But from a mature level, we're going to understand that even knowing better, there are people who have walked contrary to the design of God. They're enemies of God, Philippians says. They've concentrated more on the things of this world. They have put more emphasis on the importance of, of, of attaining things in this world that are not according to what God wants. Now, God is looking for the heart of men that are upright. And the heart of men that are upright have their hearts set on what? On family. They have their hearts set on family. And they wouldn't do anything 
that would ever even come close to breaching that in the heart of God. In Genesis chapter 18, God finds a man and he says, this Abraham, I'm about to pour it out on his life. I'm about to give him everything I have for him because he has known the importance to forsake all things for the benefit of his family. We're reading Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said, shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation. And all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. Why did God know so much about Abraham? Verse 19. For I've known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him. That they might keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring Abraham what he has spoken to him. Because in Abraham, all the families of the earth would be blessed. Why? Because Abraham was going to teach his children to fear God. So he taught Isaac how to live for the glory of God. And Isaac was able to lead Jacob into the glory of God. And these were families that were all constantly being put together. And they were constantly trying to strive for that which God desired. And God is no less yesterday than he is today. He desires you to be prosperous in this thing called family. And this is what the devil's directed at big time. If you want to be a theologian, the devil will let you. If you want to be an apostle and a prophet and you want to be a Bible scholar, the devil will let you. But set your heart on being a dad and you'll see how the devil comes against you. Set your heart on being a husband to your wife and you'll see how the devil comes against you. Set your heart on being a young girl who wants to honor her parents. Because there was a whole descendants of children that were born that did not want family. Ever since the beginning of time, Esau came around. Esau was Jacob's older brother. And Jacob says, you know something? You have an inheritance in our family that you really don't want. I'll take it. I want the blessing of the firstborn. I want to honor dad. And he goes, what good is it to me? Just give me some of that hot dog and it's yours. Give me some of that lunch. And, and he just gave away the blessings of the firstborn. Esau later becomes the descendant, the, the, the father, uh, the patriarch of all the Edomites. The Edomites are a people that they didn't want God. They didn't have families that honored God. The Bible says that later on, he wanted the father's blessing when he lost it. And he started crying big time. And he says, Father, I want that blessing. But he had despised it. So even though he wanted it later, it was gone. And he says, be careful that you don't have the same heart. Because even th though you want it later, it might not be around. And then the next thing that happens, the Bible says he directly went and married the daughters of ungodly people just because his parents had told him not to. Guy did not want to honor family. He did not want to honor dad. He wanted to walk contrary to this. And, and there's a whole reality of systems upon the earth that you're going to be one of two people on the earth you're going to be those who raise up families for God you're going to honor this institution called family I was, I was in Ecuador now everybody's riding motorcycles right they say Joaquin why don't you ride motorcycles you're 43 man you have four kids you're an adult I said because my dad doesn't like me to that's called honoring dad that's called holding true to family. I could have got on a motorcycle. I love motorcycles. But we belong to the family of God. 
and I'm 43. And I want to honor my dad. And so this is the heart of people that are going to change the world. This is the heart of people that will rise up for God in these days. They're going to ask you, well, it's funny. How come you live like that? Oh, because I'm part of a family. I have, I have, God has taught me that the big things he has for me are going to come in my, to the degree of my honoring this, this entity that God has. And I want to tell you that in families, there's something called fathers. And fathers are, are those that must be given honor. And I want to tell you something. The people that have most prospered in ministry all over the world are those who have spiritual fathers. It doesn't matter where you look. You know why this country has prospered so much? Because it was founded on the principle of having fathers. And everybody that came after the founding fathers says, no, 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 our founding fathers said this. No other country in the world has that. They don't respect those that previously went before them. But based on Christian principles, based on the principles of God's word, to prosper our lives, it must be to the degree that we're, we're part of the family. And, and a lot of people don't like family because you know what they told us in this conference is the reason people don't like family in Europe, the pastors in Spain told us, is because they didn't get to choose who their family was. We get to choose everything in life. We get to choose the clothes we wear. We get to choose the car we drive. We get to choose the food that we eat. We get to choose the places we go to. But our family, man, who gave me this jerk as a father? Who put me in this family with these brothers and sisters? I want to tell you who. God. And that's where we break through with all our desires, with all our, our, our preferences, and then God places us. Could you say place? God has placed you in a family. And you know the sons, who are the sons called that do not want family? You know, I want to tell you because you've got to know who they are. They're called prodigals. These are sons that says, I don't want you to be my father. I'm going to another place. I'm going to make my own life. So those are the sons. You know who the daughters are of these people? In Spanish, they're called rameras. In English, they're called the whores. They're called prostitutes. They give themselves away instead of allowing their father to give them away. Because when you're part of a family like Rachel was, when they came asking for her for Isaac, she went where? She went back to her family. And she says, you guys, Rebecca, sorry. Rebecca says, you guys, dad, you decide if I should go with this man. But not the whores, not the las rameras. They, were, they weren't at, you didn't find them at a house. You didn't have to come and meet the father. You didn't have to come and meet the family. You were on the street. They did business outside of the house. The Bible says in Proverbs 7 that this wayward woman, this evil woman, this woman that does not want to be a part of the family, she hates the home. She wants to be on the street, and she's giving herself away outside of the family. These are the daughters of these people. You could study them. They're, they're the lineage, of, they're the lineage of, of those that denied the faith. They're the lineage of those who, who lifted up a city named Babylon. Could you say Babylon with me? You know what Babylon is? It's, it means confusion. It means disorder. It means no, no ability to, 
to raise up sons. They had horrible times. All those sons that came out of Babylon, they were all orphans. They were all prodigals. They were all um, wayward women. And you'll see the stark contrast between the sons of God and the sons of this world. You can see the sons of obedience in stark contrast to the sons of disobedience. And this is working in the world at heavy degrees, even though we don't like to talk about it. Even though it's like, mm, pastor, slow down. Pastor, slow, I can't slow down. We're, 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 we're drawing lines. We're going to change the world. We're going to define truth, and the truth will set us free. And so God is revealing these things. And at the beginning, when I read James 1.27, I had no idea what that meant. The true excellence for God is, is addressing the troubled issues that widows and orphans have. And you know what they have? They have a lack of identity. They have a lack of understanding how to live life. How am I going to do the will of God? How do I know what God wants for me? That's our question. And I want to tell you, he's answering today, family, Psalm 68, verse 6. He places you in a family so that you might prosper, so that it might well go well with you, so that you might have the capacity to obey because he loves obedience more than sacrifice. Yeah, well, I serve the church all the time. Yeah, but that's sacrifice. He wants obedience. You're super disobedient, but you're super sacrificial. And so you're out of the family of God. You're out of the lineage of blessing. You're not going to receive blessings. Blessings are for faithful sons, faithful daughters. Those that, that wait upon God shall be renewed in their strength. They shall mount up on wings of an eagle. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not stumble. But the Bible says he places those that are outside the family in the family. God sets the individual, the independent, the self-sufficient in a family. Why? Because that's a place of destiny, hope, legacy, prosperity, vision, he brings out those that are bound captive into prosperity. Outside of the family, you are, you are a captive of your own foolishness. How do we allow thoughts to rise up above obedience? The weapons of our warfare are powerful in Christ to bring down strongholds. To take thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ. To say, no devil, I know that's what you want, but God wants something different. God has, has been faithful to speak through my authorities, through my parents, through my pastors, through my spiritual parents. Thank God for spiritual parents. See, the heart of some spiritual parents are to take off and not want spiritual responsibility. But the heart of spiritual parents that are a blessing and their hearts are towards their children is to leave a legacy and they will do greater things than their spiritual parents ever did. They will have a clearly defined identity and role about who they are and what they're going to do in this world. That's where we get that line. And so God is speaking to us these things. And, and so we, we raise up in, in the heart of, of men. Uh, so we already went through what's a, a spiritual son that's not part of the family is, is a prodigal, a spiritual daughter who's not being faithful, who's giving herself away, who accounts to nobody, who nobody gets to decide anything. Uh, that in old time in Spanish, Ramera, I don't know what it is in, in English. Uh, whore sounds a little bit strong for our culture, but, but in biblical, it's, it, it, it is what it is. Um, but then there's the, the, the fathers. There's a young man named Absalom. He was a rebel son to his father David. And when he rose up 
He didn't leave a legacy. The Bible says that he lifted up a monument unto himself. He didn't leave anything to pass on to his children. He had three boys and a daughter. And you'll see that men who live for themselves, like I was talking uh, with these men last week, I said, you guys are leaving nothing to your children but money. And I'm leaving to my children a huge inheritance of prosperity and blessing from the Lord. And it's totally different, but it's part of that, that understanding of family. So these men, like Absalom, who says... I'm just going to make a name for myself. I'm going to be big in, in my own right. And he makes a monument to himself, but he leaves nothing to his sons. We have Eli, who is a high priest in 1 Samuel. And he also did not want to discipline his children. And a child, a son, a daughter who receives no discipline, the Bible calls illegitimate, is a bastard, is a person that is, is, is far from a good inheritance. And the Bible says... That in Leviticus it says, no illegitimate child will come into the house of God for ten generations. You, listen to me. If you don't understand family, if you don't understand God, if you don't come within the inheritance of this reality, you're wasting your time in the house of God. You could come and sing all the songs. You could come and hear all the sermons. But if you don't live the realities of honoring your mother and father at home and honoring those spiritual fathers that you have in the house of God, you're going to end up inheriting what the world has you to inherit. Here comes your divorce. Here comes your stepchildren. Here comes all the evidences of the fact that you are outside of the kingdom. I love one of the verses in 1 Corinthians. I, I don't know where it is right now. But Paul writes to the church in Corinthians. And he says, say hi to so-and-so. Because she's been like a mom to me. I'm like, Paul had a spiritual mom. He went to a church where there was a lady that would treat him like a son. And, and the Bible says that all the descriptions we have in the Bible, it says to the younger men, treat the older men as if they were your fathers the older women teach the younger women to love their husbands yeah but she's not treating them right doesn't matter you're an older woman you need to foster family because satan wants to destroy family satan wants to make sure that your family never even gets the start into the direction of god's purpose for it and it only works one way. I only know one, one way that family works. And this is how it works. A man who obeys God. A wife who obeys her husband. Children who obey their parents. Families that obey their pastors. Families. See, if we're not cultivating this reality in this place, we are playing church. We're playing religion. We're wasting our time. We're not going to change the world. The Bible says, as, as the world sees the reality of Christ in you, then they shall worship God. They're going to they're gonna say, man, you, you really have a father? You have a man you listen to and you honor and respect? Even in, in those areas of preferences, like a motorcycle, boom, boom, boom. You don't ride motorcycles because you have a dad? Yeah, this is what it's all about. The little girl and her father that drove me to the airport 
in Ecuador. We got up at 4 o'clock in the morning yesterday. We, 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 we drove for about three hours through the Andes, huge mountains. And when we got to the airport, she says, Dad, let's go eat at McDonald's because Mom does, never lets me. We can't do that no more. We can't do that no more. We got to start shifting these, these things that for years we've despised. I remember I had an uncle once and my cousin got mad at her mom. My, my cousin was about 12, 13 years old and she went over to her mom and says, could I go skating? And she, her mom says, no, because you got bad grades. You can't go. You, you didn't do good in school. So she grabbed her skate and she threw it at her mom's head. And dad went over and pulled out a $100 bill and gave it to his daughter saying, good job. Obviously not Christian, not the world, people crazy, right? Chaotic. But not here, not in the house of God. We don't go ask mom to then, she says no, and then go ask dad so he can say yes. We're destroying family. A house divided amongst itself will not prevail. Any, any brokenness in this reality will not prosper. Don't expect any prosperity outside of God's design. If we go to Lamentations chapter 5, and I got I to gotta slow down here, we're done. Barely got off the ground today. But Lamentations chapter 5 and we see here, this is the people of Israel when they have despised the order of God. The end result of despising God is they find themselves with no inheritance. They find themselves with no blessing. They find themselves on the street. They find they have no vineyards. They have no mothers. They have no fathers. Listen to this. Remember, O oh Lord, what has come upon us. Look and behold our embarrassing state, our reproach, our inheritance was turned over to strangers. Our houses has been taken over. We have become orphans, waves. Our mothers are like widows. Look what happens when we begin to subtract the blessings of God. What's the blessing of having a spiritual father? Do you know that he's going to speak to you spiritual truth? He's going to discipline you. The Bible says if you don't have the capacity to receive discipline, you're not a child. That's the, that's the cutting edge. Right? We need to understand that. Look what has become of us. We're a people of orphans and widows. What's that mean? There's no fathers and there's no husbands. So there is a season for us to be a son. There's a season for us to be a daughter. In that season, I, I've told young people all the time, they're, they're like in their... Uh, mid early 20s mid 20s and I tell them look you have about this much to go this much to go because soon the time will come your dad's not going to tell you when to dress when to come in when to go out what to eat who to go with you only have this much to go receive your instruction while you have time I don't know how much longer you're going to have a spiritual dad I don't know how much longer you're going to have somebody speaking truth into your life I don't know how much longer you're going to be able to, to obtain a spiritual inheritance. And you know where spiritual inheritances go to? To faithful sons. They don't go to, to wayward prodigal sons. Um, we went to Switzerland. And in Switzerland there was a man. Uh, his father was the founder and director of the largest pharmaceutical country in the world. 
public pharmaceutical company. I mean, this guy, this guy made billions of dollars. And at the age of 20, his son decided to leave his dad and forget his dad was too strict and forget about helping his dad. And he left to New York with his girlfriend. And 50 years later, he comes back to Switzerland. Now his dad is 90. He's at the hospital. He's about to die. The son comes. He's 70. He left when he was 20, 50, 70. He says, hi, dad. How are you feeling? He's there for the inheritance. His father dies. They open up the will, disinherited. No inheritance, not a penny. I don't know if God, if you think that the inheritance God has for you is going to take place outside of family. I don't think so. This, this ministry has had many sons, many sons, many sons, many sons. God has made us fruitful, even from a young age. We were very fruitful. But there's been few sons who have honored this house. Few sons and daughters who have honored their spiritual dad. And I guarantee you, to them is the inheritance. To them is what God wants to bring through this line. See, because you get here, and then pride starts happening. No, my dad is my friend. He's not my dad. Do you know friends like that? My, me, me and my daughter are friends. She's not my mom. You know why you say that? Because you don't want to recognize her as the authority over your life. And your mom is, can be your friend, but more than your friend, she's your mom. And you should shut up and listen to what she has to say. Because as she speaks in your life, God begins to adorn you in his purpose. God begins to give you what he has for you. When we listen to our fathers, we get the natural blessings. When we listen to our spiritual fathers, we get the supernatural blessings of ministry and things that are great in this life, in our purpose. So that's why excellence in serving God and religion is to put our attention on matters of being a widow and being sons and daughters. I want to tell you that many women have decided they're not going to be mothers. They've decided they're going to be career women. They've decided they're going to be women of great financial gain. And they have despised the role of being a mom at home. They have despised the role of taking care to instruct. You know, I, I'm amazed. And on this trip, I saw it even clearer than anything. Every woman wants to disciple their husband. Their passion is, man, if I could only get this guy to be spiritual. Well, guess what? Redirect your efforts because God did not make you the Holy Spirit over your husband's life. Amen. Begin to become the spiritual influence and discipler of your children. Amen. And show them your godliness by your submission to your husband. Ouch. Show them that you're a real spiritual woman because you don't build a company or a business. The Bible says a wise woman builds a home. Hallelujah. Is able to make sure that their children go, grow in wisdom and in honor and in obedience. Make sure that they're to receive their legacy by their capacity not to manipulate. How many know children are manipulative? They know how to tell stories the way you like to hear them. And my kids were telling me a story about one of their teachers for the whole year. I wanted to beat up that guy. And then I came to the realization, he's not that bad. There has to be something going on here. Our children have the ability to, to tell their story in a way that influences off keel tr of truth. Let's stand this morning and ask God to let our hearts be joined to his and let our families be our priority. Let our homes, let our sons not be prodigals. Let them be faithful sons. Let them walk in the honor to receive an inheritance that is amazing and our capacity to receive our blessings from God is our capacity to, 
to honor those that, that are in these roles. For years, families came to church and they told their children, you don't have to listen to the pastor. You don't have to listen to the youth leader. You don't have to listen to the worship leader. You don't have to listen. Well, guess what? Their children are no longer in church thanks to their witchcraft. Thanks to their rebellious ways. The Bible says the sin of rebellion is a sin of witchcraft. When you're warping authority, when you're making it softer than it is, it, it, it should be as heavy as it is, it should be as hard as it is. Don't water it down. The medicine's good for the soul. Let that instruction come. The Bible says that correction doesn't seem pleasing at the time, but later on it produces a harvest of righteousness. And it's in our capacity to stop the witchcraft, stop the whoredom, stop the unfaithfulness. Isaiah 121 says like this, What happened to my faithful city? You've become prostitutes. You have, you have, how the faithful city has become a harlot. That's what the word is, I'm sorry. In Spanish it was ramera, in English it was harlot. Harlot means the one that gives herself away, the one that is exchanging on the streets. She's not a virtuous woman. She does her own business. It used to be a city of righteousness where everything was proper and right, but now it's become a city of violence. The word violence is when things are out of order. When things are displaced, it could be ever so little. It's a violent scenario. Father, we give you thanks for this word this morning. We pray, Father God, that it would be really rooted into us, O oh God. You have transferred us over from darkness to light, Lord, not so that we could be enchained, not so that we would be taken captive, not so we would become lost again, O oh God. I pray, Father God, that you give us your same heart to what is undefiled religion, O oh God, to watch over these ways, the ways of an orphan and a widow, Father. We pray, Father God, that your prosperity in our homes would become evident, O oh Lord, that they would flourish, that they would economically flourish, Lord, that the peace would, would increase, that the joy would be multiplied, that it would be inexpressible, Lord, as we keep your ways, Lord. And we give you thanks for your glory that reflects and manifests from this reality, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray, and the house of God says amen. amen. Agree one.